please stand and hear the word of the Lord. One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two of the empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simeon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners into the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, O Lord, please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James, John, and the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Well, uh, so good to be with you today. Today we're kicking off a new series, uh, Grace Revealed. And uh, we're going to be teaching through um, different passages in Luke as we're reading through uh, Luke in our uh, Lent devotionals. Who's been doing that so far? Has anybody been enjoying reading through those Lent devotionals? Um, if you've noticed, I hope you didn't miss it, but on those devotionals, at, in the top part of it, there's a passage in there. And so that passage, if you read along that passage and then do your devotional, every devotional comes from somewhere within that passage. But if you read that passage, by, by the time Easter comes, you will have read through the entire book of Luke. Uh, which it, it will be a really cool thing for us as a church to all read through. So don't worry if you're behind a little bit. You can just jump in. I mean, we covered the Christmas stuff a few months ago. You're fine. Just jump in now, and you can join with us and, and follow through till the end. It's, it's going to be great. So anyways, we're talking about grace revealed. That, that's the picture of this. And, and the, the reason we use that picture is because we're talking about Jesus. And Jesus, when he came, it says he was full of grace and truth, and that the law came from Moses, but with Jesus came grace upon grace. I don't know if you're familiar with those passages, but it's this idea that when Jesus came, he brought grace with him. But what I want you to know also, what I want you to think about as we go through this series in Luke, is that Jesus is God, is fully God, and I want you to think about what that means. It means Jesus would not do something the Father would not do, okay? Jesus would not do something the Holy Spirit would not do. They're, they're three in one, they're, they're together, okay? And so when we see God, it, Colossians says, he is the visible image, right, of the invisible God. That's the way Colossians says it. So as we're learning about Jesus, we're learning about God. This is what God is like. This is who he is. So I want you to think about that as you read through Luke. Uh, because in some ways, when you study Jesus, he challenges a little bit maybe some of our conceptions about God. Like maybe Jesus says something, I don't think God would say that. Well, maybe we need to rethink it. If Jesus said it, God would say it. 
right? It's the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the three in one. So just something to think about as we get into um, our study. So today we read this passage in, uh, in Luke 5, and we're going to get there, um, but we're going we're gonna to start a little bit because I want to I just catch us up to where that was. Um, so when Jesus shows up on the scene, you know, he, he begins his ministry. He's baptized um, by John. But Luke gives us this passage um, that you're probably familiar with in Luke 4. It's verses 18 and 19. It's not on the screen. But this is when Jesus kind of starts his ministry. He, he begins his ministry. Here's what he says. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Then he rolls up the scroll he was reading it from. So you can imagine if someone was in our service today, just came up and, and reads from the Bible, shuts the book and says, today this has been fulfilled in your hearing. And then he just, you know, I think if they had microphones back then, Jesus would have just dropped the mic and walked off the stage. He's saying, this is it. The prophecies you've been reading about today, they're going to begin to be fulfilled. Right? And this is what's happening, and it's so, it's so cool, it's so exciting, but the people there doubt. But after this, Jesus' ministry has begun. He, he goes on teaching. He's going different places. And what he just said, how this is going to be fulfilled in your hearing, it begins to take place. So where we're going to really start is Luke uh, chapter 4, verse 31. If you have your Bible, you want to follow along, that's fine. I think most of the verses are in your notes as well. But in, in Luke 4.31, it says, Jesus went to Capernaum, and he began to teach there in the synagogue each Sabbath. And I want you to look at verse 32 with me, because I think this is a very important verse, right as Jesus is beginning his ministry. Here's what it says. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word possessed authority. So when Jesus started teaching, there was something different about the way Jesus taught. And, and the way it puts it is this, his word possessed authority. It had an authority to it. It had a weight to it, right? When Jesus spoke, things changed. See, see there's, there's two things I want us to gather from this idea that, that Jesus' word has authority. And the first is just what I said. When Jesus speaks, things change. And we're going to see some examples of that. That's part of what it means that Jesus' word has authority. Jesus can speak and change things. How many, how many of you know he can speak into your life and change things, right? He's done that for you. So when Jesus speaks, things change. And the second, the second part is this. When Jesus speaks, we should listen. If his word has authority, not only do things change, but I should change. I should listen. I should be formed by his word. And what's so cool, though is that in this gospel, right after this passage, we see this verse demonstrated. This verse comes to life, Jesus' word with authority. Jesus' word, another word for authority there would be power. Jesus' word comes with power. And as, so we're gonna actually flow through a couple of passages here real briefly and get a look at exactly how much authority, how much power Jesus' word really has. Um, so look with me at Luke 4, verses 33 to 35. So here we go, right after this, very next verse. It says, And in the synagogue there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice, Ha! What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? 
I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him, having done him no harm. So here's the first thing I want you to notice. The first thing that it means when we talk about Jesus' word having authority. Here's what it means. When Jesus speaks, darkness obeys him. Darkness obeys him, okay? It's probably something, I'll tell you, in, in our culture, in, in America, the, the way we in America view spiritual, spirituality, we don't talk or think much about spiritual warfare, all right? We don't talk or speak much uh, uh, we, or think much about spiritual warfare. It's just not something that we do very often. But there's a reality. Remember, Jesus is God. Jesus isn't uh, more concerned about spiritual warfare than maybe the Father or the Holy Spirit would be. And he seems to talk and have confrontations with darkness, with demons, fairly often in his ministry, doesn't he? And he also, he seems to talk about hell. He seems to understand that we have an enemy and he's not afraid to talk about it. And so today, I just want to bring this up and I don't want you to forget today that you and I, we have an enemy of our souls, right? There is an enemy. First uh, Peter 5.8 says this, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So here's the picture. The enemy is looking for anyone, looking for someone that he can devour. And now how does he work? In lots of ways, through lying. That's why I love that song, I am, who, I am Who You Say I Am, because sometimes the enemy can work in our lives and try to lie and tell us things that aren't true. But we find who we are, we find the truth in God's word and who he says we are, right? But let's, let's be reminded, we have an enemy, and Ephesians even goes on to say, listen, your battles that you're fighting, it's not even against flesh and blood. It's a spiritual battle. You and I are engaged in a spiritual battle. And so some of the things that we blame people for, and while they're certainly part of the problem, no doubt, there's really a spiritual influence. I mean, I want you to think with me. Let's think about some of the, the worst things taking place across our country, right? Like the drug epidemic. All that. Do you think that is purely just man-made? No, I don't, I don't think so. I don't buy it for a second. I think that's spiritual. Now, are people making decisions? Absolutely. But there's a darkness there. When you think about the pornography epidemic and kind of how that's just exploding, do you think that's just people making decisions? Yeah, that's part of it. But there's a darkness there. When you think about all the confusion we have over things that that really are pretty simple. And, and when you think about how much fighting there is amongst people, right, how we can't almost agree on anything, and we might, we might blame people for that, but there's a spiritual influence there. There really is. And why is it important that we realize it's a spiritual battle? Well, it's important to realize it's a spiritual battle because when we recognize that our battle's not against flesh and blood and it's actually a spiritual battle, battle we remember we have Jesus on our side. And I want you to remember what we already said. When Jesus speaks, darkness obeys. Darkness obeys when Jesus speaks. I want you to think about this. If this room were to be completely dark, right? It was pitch black outside. The power's out. It's completely dark. We, we put shades over all the windows. You can't see anything. I mean, you've probably been in a, in a room that's been this dark before, maybe a basement or something, where you put your hand right here and you can't see. 
If this room was that dark, all it would take is for one person in here to pull out that little flashlight on your iPhone, right? Pretty soon our eyes would adjust, and that little light would be enough for us to see a whole lot in this room. One little tiny light, anywhere you shine that, it casts out darkness. Now imagine with me the light of the world. What does he do to darkness? What does Jesus do when he steps up to the scene? I mean, so, some of us understand this, this real well because some of you are afraid of the dark, right? Maybe. Maybe there's some in here. You don't have to raise your hand. I won't embarrass you. But I was afraid of the dark. And so every night, I would do, I would do, maybe you did this as a kid or maybe some of your kids did this. I would go and I would open my closet door, right? Check in there, just, just because. You gotta check. And I would turn the light on, and I would shut it almost all the way so there was just a little light coming out, but that little light was enough to fill the whole room, and I slept at peace because there was light, and that darkness was gone. And it worked every time, almost every time, actually, almost every time, because one time when I was going to bed, I went and opened the closet door, and you guys aren't going to believe this. My dad popped out. <laughs> he went, boo. I literally collapsed on the floor. I ran to mom's bed, and I, I, I said, well, sorry, Dad, I'm sleeping with you guys tonight. I was still shook up the next day. I made mom drop me off at college. I mean, I was just, no, I'm kidding. All right, I'm kidding, okay. It was probably like third grade. I don't know. But I was scared. I mean, I, I was afraid of the dark, but just a little light changed that. I was afraid of the dark, but just a little light changed that. And see, that's what Jesus can do. He is the light of the world. He is in us. And so I'm telling you, when, when we read this story, when you read it in English, it doesn't really bring it forth all the way. But this demon, I mean, when you read it in, in the Greek and you look at it it, it, it makes you think that this demon would have stopped Jesus if he could. And when it says, when he said, be quiet, what it really means is he muzzled it. Right? And while this demon tried to throw him down, it said he did him no harm. So what did Jesus do? He went to this demon and he says, you can't stay, you can't speak, and you can't hurt him. I mean, when Jesus speaks to the darkness, it obeys. And that's just one picture. But I'm telling you, I believe Jesus wants to do some things in our country, in our schools, in our workplaces. I know there's darkness there. And I don't question the darkness, but what, I'm, what I want you and I to remember is that it's a spiritual battle. And if it's a spiritual battle, we have a God we can call upon. We have a Jesus who can be present. A Jesus who, who the darkness has to obey. Okay, so this is part of how his word has authority. He just speaks and darkness leaves. But right after this, we learn another thing that Jesus has authority over, and that's sickness. That sickness obeys him. Um, so let, let's pick up verse uh, 38 through 40 in chapter 4. It says this, And he arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and they appealed to him on her behalf. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she rose and began to serve them. Now when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid hands on every one of them and healed them. Jesus had power over sickness. 
I mean, just like, as he did with darkness, and he would speak, and darkness had to, had to flee. Darkness, demons couldn't stand before him. In the same way, sickness could not stand before Jesus. Any sick person who came to him, I, he says he healed, he healed every one of them. He touched them. And now, I know this can be a hard thing for us at times to think about because probably everyone in this room knows somebody who's been sick who didn't get touched. And maybe some of us are in the middle of something right now where we're sick or we've been battling something over and over. And it's like, well, why hasn't, well, you know, if God can heal me, why hasn't he healed me? And, and I, understand that that's a, I understand that's a difficult thought. If Jesus can, why hasn't he? And I, I'm not going to say I have all the answers to that. But what I do want you to know is, one, I want, you to, I want your faith to increase, that Jesus can. Don't stop thinking that Jesus can. Jesus can Jesus can heal, and we believe he ultimately heals everyone, right? Because in eternity, there is no more sickness, okay? But what I don't want you to think is this. If, I, if I've been sick, and, and, and it's like God hasn't healed me or didn't heal my loved one, that doesn't mean God is absent. It doesn't, just because God hasn't healed doesn't mean God is absent. Because God does a few things when we're sick and when we pray for healing. One, he heals us. Amen. Two, he gives us grace, and he says, my grace is sufficient. And through that, we learn, and through that, we grow, and through that, it drives us to him. I may have shared this before with some of you, but I'll share it again. It's a testimony that, that a friend of mine had that I've, I've just never got over. Um, he was my youth pastor growing up, and he got uh, cancer at a time. I mean, you just wouldn't understand. Three young kids, and it was a bad prognosis, bad. And he's kind of experienced the whole realm of this because God eventually did heal him, but it was a long battle. And, uh, and as he went through it, I mean, he lost his strength. He, 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 I mean, he, he lost his like short-term memory. He still has, he can have conversations, but you know, it's, it's constantly, where did I set this or where did I leave this? But it's getting better. But what amazes me is this. I've talked to him a few times and every time we've talked about this, he says, you know what, Travis, as bad as it was and as bad as the effects still are, I wouldn't change it. And I, I mean, the first time he told me, I'm like, really? He, said, if, if, he says, if God gave me the power to go back and change it so I never got cancer, I would not do it. And, and I, I, it was hard for me to understand that. He said, because Travis, in that time, God became more alive to me and more real to me than he had ever been before. And so God extended him grace in this time. Now, we don't, I, like I said, I don't fully understand that. But I'm telling you this, God can use even sickness. He can touch you. He can work in you through it. And sometimes he can bring you home. And I understand, you know, on our end, it's like, well, why didn't God heal that person? And I want you to know, though, that God is not crying when a saint dies. And remember, we're all saints. We're, we're Christians are saints. Because it says this, the Lord rejoices at the death of his saints. Why? They're, they're coming to be with his presence. Be in his presence. It's a job well done. So, but, but what I do want to make clear is that when Jesus was here, he touched people. That's why we anoint people today, right? Many of you have seen us anoint people because we believe God can heal. We know he touches people. And we pray in faith. And many in this room could testify, God's healed me. God's touched me. And so um, I, I just want you to remember that this is part of what it meant that Jesus came and his word had authority. I mean, can you imagine this? 
He, he proclaimed this passage from Isaiah, dropped the mic, and then he goes around and he does it. He's casting out darkness. He's healing the sick. And later on, and we're not going to read uh, this passage, but it's in your notes, we find out that not only does darkness and sickness obey him, even storms obey him, right? In Luke chapter 8, he calms the storm. You probably have heard the story. That Jesus and the disciples are in the boat. He says, let's go to the other side. And he goes to sleep. And this great storm rises up. And they're all afraid for their lives. But what does Jesus do? He gets up and he just speaks. It says he speaks to the wind. He rebukes the wind and the waves. And what happens? It's calm. Storms obey him. And now, of course, we, we know this means, yeah, God can calm a storm. But I think it goes even farther because this, I think this storm in a lot of ways represents anything that rises up and robs us of our faith. Makes us worry. Makes us, makes us fear. Makes us think God won't come through. Because that's exactly what happens with the disciples. He ends this by saying, where's your faith? The storm rose up, and it robbed you of all your faith. It took away all, where did it go? You guys, instead, you went straight from faith in me to fear, and, and you, you doubted. Where was your faith? And we face storms like that, too. We face financial things like that, right? God, how am I ever going to get through this? We, we face it with kids or with family members, loved ones, when relationships become broken. We face it in all sorts of ways. There's storms that rise up in our lives. And God wants you and I to know that he is Lord over the storm. He's God. And once again, I think in a lot of ways it's like sickness because we, we want God to just come in and remove all our problems, right? Sometimes even if we've created them, but a lot of times, that's not how God works. Sometimes he just gives us grace right through it. Sometimes he uses our storms to help us mature. Just like it talks about in James, through the testing of our faith, that's how we're going to grow. And so these storms can do this. But he also, even in the midst of it, I'm telling you, he leaves signs that he is working, he is with us. Because Jesus' word has authority, and Jesus hasn't stopped speaking. And see, maybe, maybe that's the thing we need to sit on for a second. Jesus did all these things, but he hasn't stopped speaking. He's still at work. His voice still has authority. His word still changes things. He's still worthy of being obeyed. That's who Jesus is. He's worthy of all these things. And, and just even, I want to give you a picture of how God can even work in a storm and give a picture that he's there. How many of you saw the post maybe this weekend on Facebook about the church that burned down? In, uh, but, but none of the Bibles and, and, and the cross were burned up. You see these pictures here? Uh, I want to read this post. This is from uh, the Coal City Fire Department who wouldn't help the volunteer fire department there in putting out these flames. Here's what it says. On March 3rd, around 12.58 a.m., our department was dispatched to assist the Beaver Volunteer Fire Department with a structure fire at Freedom Ministries Church, located in Grandview, West Virginia. Though the odds were against us, God was not. Picture this. A building so hot that at one point in time, firefighters had to back out. In your mind, everything should be burned. Ashes. But not a single Bible was burned, and not a single cross was harmed. Not a single fire, fire was hurt. Prayers for the pastor and congregation today. And you can see it was a testimony even to these firefighters of the firemen couldn't even go in. I mean, and don't get me wrong, this is a storm. The church burned down. 
They've got to, they've got to get the funds to rebuild. I mean, they, they've, got a, they've got a long road ahead of them. Uh, but here's Jesus right in the midst of it saying, I'm still here. He speaks to us even in the storms. He works even in those times. And so what's, what's so cool about this is just up to this point, just in these few little passages, we're, we're seeing how Jesus' word has authority. It just takes a word. It doesn't take a struggle. It just takes him speaking into something, and things change. Darkness obeys. Sickness obeys him. Storms obey him. But you know what? He works with you and me a little differently, doesn't he? He does. He works with you and me differently. You know, he muzzled the demon, but he's not going to do that to you and I. He just spoke, and fevers broke, right? I mean, that fever did not have the option. But that's not how he treats us. He treats us differently. To me and you, he gives an invitation. He gives an invitation. He's not going to force you. You know, sometimes I wish that God would maybe forcefully muzzle me, but he's not going to do that. He's going to invite me to walk with him just like he did James and John and Peter just in the passage that uh, she read earlier. See, in this passage, it directly followed, not the storm, but the casting out of the demons and the healing of the sick, and crowds are beginning to gather around Jesus. Wouldn't you? Right? Wouldn't you if you just heard that this guy, when he speaks, he has the authority to change things? He, I mean, when he speaks, it's different than the teaching we've heard all of our life, and so people were gathering around him, and so Jesus arrives, and, and the fishermen are washing their nets. They're done for the day, and he gets in the boat with them. And he asks them to put out a little bit from, from the land, and he teaches. And, and after this, what does he do? He speaks again. He speaks, to the, he speaks to the future disciples, Peter, James, and John, and he tells them, hey, why don't you put your nets out on the other side? Why don't you put your nets out on the other side? Now, they just washed their nets, right? They were done. Two, Peter replies, Jesus, we fished all night, and we didn't catch a thing, Right? I mean, I've, been, I've experienced that, okay? We, you're tired at the end of the day. We fished all night, and we didn't catch anything. And the other thing you may not know is that night was the time to fish. I mean, with the way they were fishing and dropping these nets, you weren't going to catch anything in the middle of the day at the top of the water dropping this net in. Your best chance was at night, but they said, but at your word, we'll do it. So they drop the nets, they bring in more fish than they can hardly carry in that fills both boats to the point they're almost sinking. What does Peter do? He recognizes right in that moment, he says, Lord, I'm a sinful man. Depart from me. I can't be with you, right? My sin has brought, my, the, the way I've lived, I don't deserve to walk with you. Jesus doesn't care about that. We talked about that a few weeks ago, right? God, Jesus He's not going to give you a background check on whether or not you can follow him. He just says, hey, follow me. From now on, this is who I say you'll be. You'll be fishers of men. And what does it say? It says they got to the shore, they left everything, and they followed him. But the question for us today is what are we going to do with that invitation? What are we going to do with that invitation? Because if you're here today, I'm telling you, Jesus is inviting you to follow him. He's inviting you to follow him. 
And I, I want us to talk now just for a moment about how when Jesus speaks, we talked about, yeah, things change. But let's talk about the other side of that, that when Jesus speaks, we should listen. This is the other part of this. Because think about this. Jesus' word, yeah, it has authority to change things. But also, Jesus' word is the authority. Right? Maybe you've heard that phrase before. Oh, you need to talk, you need to talk to so-and-so about baseball bats. That person's the authority on baseball bats. Right? If anybody knows anything about baseball bats, it's him. Let me give you an example. My, my sister, um, she's got a daughter who's had just a lot of physical like trials through, through her life. She's had to have shoulder surgery. She's had to have hip surgery. She was born with severely clubbed feet. And so when, when my niece was born, uh, they lived in Peoria, Illinois. And so they got doctors here in the Midwest. It was, they were in Cincinnati and um, St. Louis really is where their doctors are located. And so they tried to get the best doctors they could get. Well, recently, a little, about a year and a half, two years ago, they moved to Florida, my brother-in-law got a new job down there, so when they got down there, they were trying to find new doctors. And so they're, they're going and looking for new doctors, and uh, my sister told me this story last time she was up. She said they went to this one doctor, supposed to be the best guy in the area, uh, to deal, I believe it was with hips, to, to deal with hips. And uh, she went and, and talked with him and said, okay, yeah, let me, I'd, love to, I'd love to check her out. Let, let's see, um, who's your current doctor? And my sister told her, or told the doctor, said, oh, this is who we've been using in uh, Cincinnati. And the doctor said, I can't help her. If that doctor cannot help your daughter, no one can. That doctor's the best. That doctor's the authority. That's what they were saying. That doctor has invented the surgeries people are doing. Okay? So that's the doctor you want to go. And the doctor basically said, I don't want, I don't want to take her because... That person's the authority. Well, guess what? That's what Jesus is. He's the authority on life. He's the authority on death. He's the authority on eternity. But I want you to know it's more personal than that. Jesus is the authority on your life. Think about this with me. Jesus knows what's best for you. He really does. He knows why you were made. He knows because he, he, he made you. And so when Jesus asks you to follow him, it's never going to be in a way that would hurt you. Not from what he made you to be. It's never going to be in a way that would, that would somehow mess things up for you. It would help you to become the person he made you to be because Jesus is the authority on your life. He knows you better than anybody else. He's the authority. There's no one else out there who can give me a better opinion on how Travis should live. There's no one out there who can give me a better advice on what eternity is going to be or how, how I should raise my family. Or, uh, there, there's no one. He is the authority. And see, the disciples began to get this, right? I mean, he tells them to cast their nets on one side. They bring in an abundance. Then he asks them to follow him, and they do. And I'm telling you, yeah, they had some hard spots, no doubt, in their life. In fact, they died for their faith. But I guarantee you, for the last 2,000 years, they haven't regretted one time saying, yeah, I'll follow you, Jesus. Because Jesus is the authority on death. He's the authority on being resurrected, on being raised again. So, but here we are. This is the final thought for us. What have you done? Where are you with that invitation? 
It's just a few questions. Because if Jesus' word changes things, I think it's worth asking. It's worth asking today if his word is changing me. If Jesus' word changes things, it's worth asking if it's changing me. If it's worth listening to, it's worth asking, am I listening to it? Let's think about this. If darkness trembles, like we sang earlier, at his word, and, and if fevers break at his word, and storms cease at his word, I just want to ask, how do you respond to God's word? I know there was a point in my life when I shrugged my shoulders, and now I can't even believe I did that. But maybe for some of you, that's where you are. Maybe it's like God's speaking, and you, you know, the, the, the demons, the storm, they have to obey. But you don't. And so you just kind of leave it there lingering, this, this invitation to follow, this invitation to, to walk with him, this invitation to maybe even let some things go. That's what it meant for the disciples, right? For the disciples, it meant a change of priorities, a change of purpose. It meant a change of profession, too. But I don't think that's what it means for us always. It doesn't always mean we have to quit jobs, but it does mean where I am right now, my purpose changes. Right? I don't necessarily have to change my work or what I'm doing, but who I'm working for changes. And see, this is, what, this is the invitation we have today. It's not to pack your bags and leave somewhere. It's just to follow Jesus and go where he asks you. It's to make him the authority on your life. And when you do that, we begin to live and work to advance his kingdom where we live and work, right? That's how it all begins. See, the, the first step's never, you know, for them it, it meant, yeah, leaving their job, but for us it just means where am I right now? Okay, where do I live? Where do I work? Now that's where I'm gonna live and work for his kingdom. I'm just going to live for him now. And he invites us to do this. He invites us to follow him. And you might say to me, well, Travis, I want to advance God's kingdom. I want, I want to be a part of what God's doing on the, on the earth, but you haven't seen where I live or you haven't seen where I work. You don't know what it's like there. It, it, it's hard. It's hard to witness to people, right? Travis, it's pretty dark where I work. Great, let's go back to point number one. Because darkness obeys Jesus. Right? This is the thing, we're not alone. I know we all have obstacles that would hold us back from walking just in the fullness of what God wants, which is just the simple, yes, God, you're the authority on my life. What you say, I will do. Who you say I am, I will be. I will walk with you wherever you want me to go. And when we do that, we, something happens. When we accept Jesus' invitation to follow him, all of a sudden, we have the privilege, we have the right to invite Jesus everywhere we go. And what you think about, it, it turns around. When we accept Jesus' invitation and we follow him, we get to invite Jesus wherever we are. That's what happens. Listen to John 15, 7. It says, if you abide in me, so that means if you stay with me, if you walk with me, if you follow me, if you make me your authority, okay, and just continue just walking in what I say, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it'll be done for you. 
Now, we know it can't just be selfish. can't just be like, oh, I'm just going to walk with Jesus and ask to win the lottery. But what it means is I'm going to walk with Jesus. And when he says, Travis, I want you to be a witness where you work, and I look around and I say, I don't know how I can do that, God, but I'm just going to start praying for people there. Lord, I'm going to start trusting you. I'm going to start asking you to speak. God, I'm going to invite you to speak through me when the, when, when the opportunity's right. But Lord, I want you to speak to people. I want you to work because darkness obeys it. Maybe I've got a sick coworker. I'll pray for them. I'll say, do you know Jesus can heal? Do you know Jesus can touch people? Do you have that hope? When storms happen in my life or in a coworker's life, I can point them to the one who calms the storm. And see, in all of this, Jesus, what he wants us to do is not just accept to follow him, but then take him everywhere and invite him into the situations that are all around us. See, Jesus is the authority. When Jesus speaks, things change. I want to be part of that. Not everybody's a part of that. I want to be part of that. And so we're going to have a time of prayer today. I'm going to ask Pastor Nathan to come forward as we respond. But the response is, it's really, it's pretty simple, but it's for every one of us today, okay? Everybody in this room has, has something we can pray about this morning. Because there's two parts of it. Maybe you say, you know what? There's areas of my life I have taken outside of God's authority. I know he wants to change some things. I know he wants to do some things in my life. And I, I just, I've, I've, I've stopped it. So maybe today you just need to make Jesus the authority again on your life. Say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. Help me take the next step. Help me do that. Help me to make you Lord. But for others of us, we've done that a long time ago. And, uh, and that's great. Praise the Lord. But there's no doubt in your family or in your workplace or at your school or at your college, there's things you need to be praying for, aren't there? There's things we need to be taking to God in prayer and saying, God, I don't know how to change this. I don't know how to fix this, God, but I just know if you can speak into this. I just know, God, if you speak, things can change. Even the hopeless things, and we're gonna be talking about what God's grace means to the hopeless, what Jesus means to the hopeless, but I wanna tell you right now, there can be hope renewed. And so today, what I, what I want to ask you to do, everybody in here, everybody, is to just get in a position of prayer however you want to. We're going to sing a little, just a little bit. If you want to come to the altar and kneel and pray, do that. If you want to kneel at your pew and just pray, do that. If you want to just sit and pray, do that. But we're just going to take these few moments as they just sing this song and, and we take a little time to reflect, to pray. Each one of us to call upon our God, to, to ask Jesus who is still speaking to speak into the dark areas, into the broken areas, the hurt areas, the hopeless areas, and just say, Jesus, we need you. We said it earlier, let's practice it now in praying to him. So I'm gonna pray and then I'm gonna ask you to get in that position, whatever that would be, however you wanna pray, we're just gonna take a few moments to, to pray together. And then when we're done, we'll go ahead and uh, close up. Father, we commit this time to you. Jesus, we recognize our need 
of you and for you to speak. Lord, we want to see Columbus renewed. We want to see families renewed, relationships renewed. We want to see people born again. God, we want to see people alight, Lord, with your love just bursting out of them, God. And we know for these things to happen, we need you to speak. And so, Lord, we're going to take these moments and just call upon you. We love you. In Jesus' name. Go ahead and let's, let's get spend this time in prayer now.